Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Jesus, we thank you that when you taught your disciples to pray, you said, our Father, our Father, whatever we're facing that looks bigger than us, we have a Father who's seated. The Bible says that our Father who art in heaven, heaven's not here. Heaven means he is able to deal with our current circumstance because he's seated in the ultimate throne. He's not seated in a place where he's limited. He's seated in a place where he's unlimited, where he can do anything at any time, anywhere. So Jesus, we give you whatever looks like it's limited in front of us. We give you whatever mountain we're looking at, whatever challenge we're facing, whether it be a family situation. I'm just thankful I know I've got a God who's high above my family situation. I'm thankful I know I have a God who's high above my finance and my business situation. I'm thankful for a God who's high above. He's high above. Even when my daughter doesn't want to go to sleep till almost 9 p.m. last night, it's not even two. It's not helpful when I'm trying to prep a message. God is still high above. He's high above. He's high above. So just consciously, I want you to give whatever thing you don't think he's higher than, just give it to him. He's high, he's high above it. He's high above it. Jesus, you're high above it. We acknowledge you this morning. We thank you that you're working for our good. You're working all things together for our good this morning. We surrender everything and everyone in our lives to you. We trust you with them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Things going to be fun. Why don't you stay, stay standing for a second? I got to do something semi-uncomfortable here. I was, um, I was uh, like I said, trying to, you know, message prep like a, you know, like I would. And uh, my daughter was like, just kept waking up like three times. And uh, was up till basically 8.45. If you have a child, you know, that's not ideal. Um, and uh, so finally put her to bed. She goes to sleep. I'm like, great, I can message prep. And then I got tired. I was like, all right, I'm just gonna go to bed. And so I tried to go to bed, couldn't sleep. And then went back out to the living room, prepped a little bit more. And then I uh, was like, all right, I think I'm ready to go to bed. It's midnight now. I gotta be up in like five and a half, six hours. I gotta get a good night's sleep. So I laying in bed and, uh, and I couldn't sleep. And so it's a good thing to start doing some self audit inventory at that point, because you know, I'm one who normally hits my he head on the pillow and I'm asleep immediately. Uh, and so uh, for all of you that are jealous of that, just, just grab that, grab that out of heaven. So I'm like, okay, am I anxious about anything? That's a good question to ask, right? Am I anxious about anything? No, no, I'm not anxious about anything. Praise God. But I felt, God, I'm like, what the heck am I doing awake then? Was it those, um, you know, little energy chews my wife gave me yesterday? Maybe, maybe. But then I felt like I heard God say, I'm gonna show you some things about some people I want you to share tomorrow. And so I did it at the 9 a.m. It worked out, praise God, the person was in the room. I was a little concerned. He said, I mean, no, I don't know this stuff's gonna, like, I, I'm, I'm stepping out just like you would at men's prayer, just like you would at women's prayer, just like you're doing at work. I'm stepping out, but I don't want to just do my normal cautious thing. So the, 
the 9 a.m. was a little more safe. This one's a little more, uh, a little more particular. So, is there a Chad in the room? Is there a Chad in the room? Raise your hand, wave your hand if you're a Chad in the room. Chad, okay. Are you wearing a leather jacket by chance? That's okay. I'm still going to prophesy over you. Is there another Chad? Chad, you are not wearing a leather jacket, but I'm going to prophesy over both of you guys. Does that sound good? Okay. I thought I saw a leather jacket last night, but you know what? Chad will work. So Chad's, Chad's, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for both Chad's. Father, I thank you that you love them, that your plan is to work together for their good. I see, uh, I see a bit of uh, like a Ferris, or not a Ferris wheel, like one of those fortune wheels on those shows. And I see it's been spinning for a long time for both of you. And you've been waiting for it to land on. And it's like when you do a fortune wheel, you're like, I want it to land on that thing. But you're like, there's no chance. There's one in 30 chance it's gonna land on that thing. I feel God says you've been faithful in this season and you've been faithful and you've actually even trusted me in this season. It's gonna land on the exact thing you've been waiting for. It's gonna land on the exact same thing you've been eyeing. Do not fear, do not be afraid. It's only a little while longer. So Father, I thank you that you are working all things together for our good. Your word says you will actually perfect that which concerns us. You won't do it halfway. You will perfect that which concerns us. So Father, I thank you for you perfecting that which concerns them. You will land it exactly where it needs to be at exactly the right time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You got to do what you hear God saying to do. And maybe Chad with a leather jacket will be for me at men's prayer. Maybe he'll be there. But in the meantime, Chad, I'm glad you guys raised your hands. Praise God. Uh, how many love our pastors? Pastors Matt and Michaela Hubbard. Come on, can we honor them? I know they're not here. They're over at Bresty Ranch, part of our North region. They're helping minister over there, uh, you know, because they need it on the coast, you know. We're more holy here, more inland. And... Uh, but uh, we're, I'm so grateful for them. They're the best pastors, best leaders on the planet. And we are honestly so, so grateful and lucky to have them. Um, and how many love Pastor Jurgen and Leanne? Come on, we wouldn't have this platform. 18 years ago, moved from Australia. Pretty wild. And they just released this platform uh, to me today. So I, I'm very honored to, to be here and to be with you guys today. So why don't you guys high five three people and say, today's going to be fun. Today's going to be fun. Thank you, worship team. All right, three people, three people, not five. I got a message to get to. All right, how many, how many, uh, how, how many people were here for Easter? Come on, Easter services. Those were pretty legit. Um, we had 15,000 people th that week across all of our campuses. Um, kind of a lot. It's kind of a lot of people. Pretty radical for, you know, starting, you know, in a, you know, hotel 18 years ago to, now what God's done is pretty radical, including Boise, including Salt Lake City, including now Bayho. So we are now one church in how many locations? Eight. Great. Good job. Soon to be Coronado, nine. Maybe Temecula, ten. Come on. Build those connect groups. Get to men's and women's prayer. That'll help make our, our, uh, our fight for that a lot easier. So make sure to fill those up. Be praying. Be, be, uh, be connecting. Um, and then how many were at Hero? Come on. How great was Hero? Every year, even better than I could imagine. Um, sometimes the actresses and actors change. Sometimes, you know, it's just the change in the last scene. I mean, that hell scene was like pretty legit. 
It's like fairly realistic from what I can imagine. Probably a million times worse than actual hell, but that was still pretty scary. Made me really thankful I know Jesus. Um, but, you know, Hero, did, does anybody know, like, did anybody get to meet any of the actors after the show? You know how they're like wandering around, right? It's pretty cool. Oftentimes they're like not how you would have thought they would be, right? Like the devil, anybody get to meet the devil, right? Christian Waples. He's actually employed by our kids staff team here at Awaken Church. Of all places, of all things, he's actually one of the sweetest guys and still single somehow. So, uh, but the guy's amazing and uh, not who you thought he'd be, right? So when you meet people, like you see him on stage, sometimes they're not who you thought they would be, right? Same with, you know, Andessa. Like she played a demon, she's an angel. She's an angel, right? James was a betrayer. You're a loyal friend, man. You're a loyal friend. People are not always what you think they are from stage. And then you have like Falana who played an angel. She actually is a legit angel. So sometimes they are who you thought they were. Um, but, you know, it's, it's always interesting when you get to like meet your heroes or meet people that you kind of only see from, from stage. And so I was thinking about and doing some Reddit research, which is very accurate, close second to Wikipedia. And, uh, and I was thinking of, you know, the time I got to meet a hero of mine at that time. But I need you not to judge me for what I'm about to say. That needs to be like, yeah, yeah, judgment-free zone. So uh, don't throw it up yet. But uh, when you're like 10, 11 years old, very few things matter to you. At least they did to me. And one of those things was video games. And uh, I was big anti-PlayStation. I was big Xbox guy. Does anybody know who invented the Xbox? Microsoft, yeah. And then who, who owns Microsoft? Bill Gates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not great guy. Yeah, but, 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 but. When I was 10 or 11 years old, he was a hero, okay? Not obviously now. Okay, don't I said don't judge me. Throw up the picture. Throw up the picture. That's me. That's Bill Gates. Same room. It happened. Yep, yep. Pretty wild. My mom was head of some executive board thing, and he was talking in a thing, and so she got me because she knew I liked the Xbox. They were going to name it Xenon, of all things. Thank God they didn't. Xbox sounds way better. Um, but, you know, I got to, you know, shake hands with them and tell them, my mom told me to tell him, classic mom, uh, thank you for all you're doing for the third world countries. And, uh, and what I should have said was, thank you for what you've done for some third world countries, but please don't try to make us one in 2019. Yeah. But I didn't know, because I was 10, and it wasn't that time. So, uh, so sometimes they're not who you thought they were, you know? He wasn't who I thought he was. Okay, let's go to the next person. Next person. Anybody know who this guy is? Bill Nye, the science guy. How many did like him, though, at one point? Yeah, exactly. We all did. We all did. Well-intentioned, good intentions. Um, I think he, yeah, not sure. I'm not going to say what may or may not have happened to his philosophy, but I do not think it's in alignment with the Bible. Um, but, you know, perfectly nice guy on TV. And then this guy on Reddit said that he had an experience with him that wasn't that way. And then about 30 other people commented saying they had the exact same experience. I actually went on a Reddit thread about uh, when you meet your heroes and it's not like how you thought it was going to be. That's basically what this was. So I'm just going to read it to you. I don't know the name of the guy. I used to love science as a kid. Okay, congratulations. And I'd watch a ton of Bill Nye the Science Guy. He was autographing stuff at the St. Louis Science Center. Wow. Sounds like a weekend. I think I was about eight or 10 years old and super excited to see him. My mom bought me a poster with dinosaurs on it that he could sign for me. Waited about five minutes in line, 
Why does he only have a five-minute line for autographs? To see a very bored, ticked-off Bill Nye. I told him I really liked his show and that I want to be a paleontologist when I grow up. He literally said, yeah, whatever, kid, under his breath. <laughs> and signed my poster and then loudly said, next. Some people are not who you thought they were in real life. Next picture, please. Yeah, come on. One of my favorite people who I still have yet to meet, but I said last service, if anybody knows him and can connect me, that would be a dream come true. Someone already texted my wife saying they might have a thing. So, um, but if you know him directly, please still come and talk to us. Uh, yeah, invite him to church or just invite me to dinner when he's there. Um, really mean, aggressive, angry guy on TV, right? That's who he, you know, kind of portrays himself to be. Um, but apparently that's not the way that he actually is, according to uh, Hey Me, Hey It's Me Hammy on Reddit. <laughs> Super rival. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, he or she says, I don't know, Hammy <laughs> says actually the opposite. I met Gordon Ramsay one time and he was actually extremely kind. Definitely not what TV depicts of him. And if you watch any of his YouTube stuff with his kids, he's actually really, really sweet, really nice. Um, so he's not, people aren't always, you know, your heroes especially aren't always what you thought they were, who you always thought they were. And uh, I'm thankful that the God we serve, Jesus, my hero, is exactly who he says he is. He's exactly who he says he is. He's exactly who he says he is in this. He actually shows himself to be true in real life. And yes, I do read our one-year Bible, in case you're wondering. You should too. Uh, I'm thankful for that because there's only really two ways you can actually know a person or know anything. And it's number one, by what they reveal about themselves, they, like self-revealed, like self-revelation, or, and probably, I should say, uh, what you experience of them when you're in their presence, right? So Gordon may be one way self-revealed on television, but then when you experience them in real life, you're like, these two aren't the same thing. Bill Nye, same thing. Bill Gates, probably definitely same thing. But God, no, he, he's the same. He's the same in his word, meaning he is accurate in his word. If, he, if it's in his word, it's who he is. But it becomes a journey for us as believers to actually learn and experience God for who he is. Because at Awaken, we don't want you to just know about God. It's great that you can quote a scripture, but have you actually experienced the God that you talk about? Now, you're not gonna experience God outside of his word. Let me just preface it with that. Meaning you're not gonna ex have an experience of God and it be contrary to this word. Guarantee that. He is accurate in who he says he is in his word. But we want you to actually know him personally and have a relationship with him, not this to be a religion. And Psalm 115, 11 says it like this. You who fear the Lord, trust the Lord. You who fear the Lord, trust the Lord. Meaning you can actually like, semi know God, right, by his word. You can fear him, because when you read his word, it should fear you a little bit, like who he says he is. He's God, he created you and me, he created the entire heavens and the earth. But it's not enough just to fear him, we wanna actually move into trust, which means there's a difference. Because at first I was like, I was reading that, I was like, there's no difference between fear and trust. How could there be a difference between fear and trust? Fear is a respect and it's based off reputation. It's what you've seen about somebody. So I fear and I respect God. That's a good step. It's better than not fearing or respecting God. But 
It's not the final step. The final step is trusting God. Trusting God can only happen when you give him something to be trusted with. You have to give him something to be trusted with. When you trust God, you do that based on experiencing him in his presence, and ultimately it will lead to a life of surrender, and anything you surrender to God, he can resurrect. So it's a supernatural life. And so the emphasis that I wanna put on today and the title of this message today, you can announce to your neighbor, say, it's time to cross over, to cross over. Come on, cross over. And the word crossover actually comes from, it's literally what Hebrew means. And the Hebrew people, it's literally what it means. It means to cross over. Why does it mean that? It's not because they're good at basketball, necessarily. They might be. I was okay at basketball. I grew up Catholic and Jewish. Not great. It was pretty good. But it's not what it means. Crossover came from when the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, right? And then God delivered them out of Egypt into what? The wilderness. So they crossed over from slavery to the wilderness. The wilderness is figuring out who God is, learning to fear God. And then they needed to cross over again into what? The promised land. That's trusting God. So you start as a slave, not to God, but you start as a slave to the world, to the devil. And then he wants to take you out of that. You get saved. Cool, now I'm in the wilderness. I'm at least fearing God. He's providing manna all kinds of like, what is it, right? Like that's what happens when you get saved. You just start saying, what is it all the time? Like, what is it? What is that? What is it? What is that? Go up to connect group. What does this mean? What does that mean? Go to prayer meeting. What is that? What is that? Why is that guy talking like that? That's, <laughs> right? What is it? And then, but it's still, you're still not in this trust because you haven't given God things to, for him to be trusted with. And then you start, start giving him things to trust him with and you start experiencing him as the God that people talk about from stage, the God that people talk about in your connect group, the God that people talk about in prayer meetings with God stories, you start to actually experience that for yourself and that's when everything changes for your life. And so we're gonna reference those three phases. The believer's journey is from slave to the world or to the devil to wilderness, fearing God, and then into the promised land we're all meant to get to in trusting him. Those are the three phases. So the first area that I had to learn to trust God in, to move from slave to fear of God to trusting God was in provision. It's probably the most obvious one that I had to address because of how dysfunctional I was in this area when I walked in. Thank you to, you know, blowing $100,000 of college inheritance money and credit cards. Thank you. I went backwards as well. So when I lose the money, I prodigal sunned it and then I went backwards. Um, and Matthew 6.21 says this, and it's a really powerful, fundamental scripture about money. It says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Meaning God is not necessarily after your money, he's after your heart, right? You've heard that before. Because when you get to the wilderness, God wants you to stop relying upon the hand of man, and he wants you to start depending on him. Now, how do you depend on him? Well, Malachi 3.10 says, don't rob God of the tithe. Because the tithe does two things. Number one, well, actually, it does three things. The first thing it does is it connects you to God in your money, connects you to God in your finances, and it leaves an opportunity for God to move, right? I had 100%, now I have 90%. God, I need you to make it more than 90%, right? For me to cover X, Y, Z. And then what he promises in his word is, I will throw open the windows of heaven over your life and pour out such blessing there won't be room enough to receive it, provision. And then he'll also rebuke the devourer for your sakes, which means protection. Which means when there's a famine in the land, when there's something outside of your circumstance, outside of your control, when there's things happening that 
you actually need something to happen, you'll know when God provides and you're like, wow, I actually got a promotion. I didn't go backwards or wow, God keeps sending me more contracts to close or wow, I'm actually prospering when everybody else is saying this is a depression or like, I don't know. But it's because God wants you to know that you're connected to him and that he's the one that's actually doing him. And that builds trust, right? That builds trust. The Israelites went from dependent upon the hand of man to eating manna in the desert. And then they were meant to step into learning God as a promise keeper. Pastor Jurgen preached about it, going from provider to promise keeper, meaning he doesn't want us to just be receiving stuff. He wants to actually start going out and getting stuff. He wants to start going out for him and winning battles on his behalf because God had promises to the Israelites that he wanted to make to them. And yet they wouldn't go out and do it because they were afraid because they were comfortable in their status quo. They were good with just the provision and protection God had provided. They had made a safe place in the wilderness. Can you imagine that? A safe place in the wilderness. A place that you were never meant to make permanent, they made permanent, because they were afraid to see and trust God with what little they had. And I think that's, the, the, that's kind of the conundrum, right? You think you have a lot because it's all you've ever known. You think you have a lot because it's all you've ever known, so you don't wanna lose what you have, right? because you would go backwards. You don't want to go back to the slavery. So you're like, no, 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 this is safe. But God's like, if you would just know what, how much more I have for you, you'd easily let go of this stuff. You'd easily let go of the 10%. You'd easily let go of this, the safe, right? And I remember, you know, when I first got saved, I was in that place. I came out of slavery, right? I came into fearing God, beginning to tithe, beginning to give, and, and, I, and I, you know, didn't have a lot, and I would still experience God's peace and protection and provision. There were so many times very early on when God would provide miraculously, almost like a bird, you know, came and dropped stuff off, like with Elijah. It almost felt like that for a little while, but I knew that that wasn't God's best because his word says that he wants me to be blessed to be a blessing. He wants me, and he has given me the power to get wealth, right, to establish his covenant with us here on the earth. So I said, okay, God, well, I want to experience you like that. And I found that experiencing him that way is far more radical and actually requires more faith in me to do that. I remember it was in COVID 2020, and I had been wanting to, uh, to start this business for a while, and I just kind of kept putting off. I had a, a divine alignment and God had sent someone miraculously into my life to teach me how to do what I wanted to do for a business, but I still didn't have the, the kind of like unction to go out because I'm like, I'm safe here. This doesn't require me potentially, my reputation doesn't potentially require me stepping out and doing radical things or investing in this or doing, and I felt, I was in the middle of 2020 and we were, uh, it was for the very short time that we were not open, like basically right after COVID, you know, kind of broke out March, April. And Pastor Colin Hagebottom was uh, sharing from, you know, we had an online kind of empower night thing on a Wednesday night. And he was a Pathfinders kind of marketplace thing. And at the very end, he said, I want to pray for people who want to actually prosper in a time of famine, who want to see the promises of God in their life, but it's going to take some courage. And I need you to step into that. And I literally, I stood up in my living room. I remember I was like, I'm standing up in my living room. And uh, my dog was, you know, sitting on the couch. And uh, I was sit, sit, uh, standing up. And I literally felt God say, go. I've released you to go build it. Trust me. And it was literally from that time that what God's done for us to be able to bless other people, for us to give the vision builders, for us to buy our second home within two years, what God has done through that business is radical. It's, it's way better than what, and it requires a lot more trust. And I've actually gotten to know God a lot 
closer and I've actually had a greater relationship with God now that I'm prospering because I'm relying on him in a whole new way. Because God wants us to be promise keeping and people that go after his promises. It's much like when Jesus saved disciples out of a storm. He did that a numerous amounts of times. But then there came a point when Peter kept watching Jesus save them in storms and started realizing, okay, I think this guy can actually like, like, do anything at this point. Like, I think he actually can do anything. And although it wasn't in his specific maybe will, Jesus starts walking towards the boat. Peter's in the boat. And instead of him being like, Jesus, do the thing again where you calm the storm. He says, Jesus, if it's you, command me to come and I'll come. Meaning it wasn't implicit. It wasn't implied. It wasn't something that was like within his normal. It was an opportunity. It was an opportunity to say, well, God, if this is you, make it known to me. If you want me to start this business, make it known to me. If you want me to apply for this promotion, make it known to me. If you want me to step out and buy a house, even though none of my family's ever bought a house before, make it known to me. If you want me to bless this person, like you're asking me to radically bless them, by the, then I need you to make it known to me. And then as soon as the word comes, you have an opportunity to step out and say, okay, God, I'm trusting you with everything I have. I may look like a fool, I may sink, but what if I don't? What if I walk on water? And you'll know God in an entirely new way. The second area that I needed to cross over from slave to fearing God to trusting him was in relationships. And this is, you know, once again, you know, this goes from a pretty dysfunctional passive. I didn't have a dad. You know, my dad died when I was nine and, you know, got addicted to pornography, got into all kinds of stuff growing up really young. And so there was a number of things that probably aren't relative for every human being, but I imagine every human grows up with a relative dysfunction in their family line, right? No perfect families. And, uh, and so when I, you know, kind of started going into my, my high school, my college years, I started realizing I had this weird, like I'm a pretty normal, calm dude for in general, like I'm a nice guy, but anytime someone close to me didn't need me anymore or wanted to push me away, or didn't, you know, I, I was being rejected, whether it be a girlfriend or whether it was a friend or whatever it was, I found myself getting really angry. And I didn't realize what it was. I would be punching holes in walls and doing all kinds of crazy. I know, me punch holes in walls, right? That's more like a Pastor Mike Finn kind of thing. We joked about it after the nine. He's punched holes in more walls than I have, I think. But it was this thing in me that, that was so scared of what if they leave me just like my dad? right, of what does that mean to me? And I had allowed people to become the fill for my life. My security, my affirmation, my value was coming from people, not from God. Not a great place to live. And you can actually live like that in church. You can be so dependent upon whether the pastor stops and talks to you after. You can be so dependent upon whether your connect leader texted you because you had this big job interview and you hoped they were gonna text you and they didn't text you and you're like, oh my gosh, well, you know what? I'm gonna, you know, well... But what if God wanted him to be the only source of love for you? Not the only source that you ever get, the only source you ever need. Psalm 23, five, verse six says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Which means when you're walking with God, as this Psalm is talking about, he actually fills your cup. 
He's the one that fills your cup. You don't need your cup full, which allows you to be a better spouse, allows you to be a better friend, allows you to be a better leader, allows you to be better in every relationship because even a better parent. Like, man, I can imagine myself, like, if I wasn't saved and living and walking with God, needing affirmation or some kind of weird thing from my daughter because I'm like, oh, well, if you don't like me, then imagine if I carried that into my family. That just dysfunctions the whole family line. And then the, it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. And so it's a good thing to constantly evaluate, am I, the only, am I allowing God to be the main source and the only source of my love? Now, it doesn't mean you push other people away. It just means if they are not there, are you good? Because being a slave right, is where I'm fully dependent on other people to tell me I'm valuable. And if I don't have people telling me I'm valuable and being my connection, then I'm host. I'm in trouble and I'm feeling in the, in the ditch, right? Then you get into the wilderness, you cross over, great. You learn that's not a great idea. And so you're partially, like you're getting some from God, but then if, if something went down and you were to lose this relationship or this thing were to go sideways or that person were to say this, you would be a total wreck. Not God's best for you. Okay, but not God's best for you. Then you go into the promise land where it's like, you can say whatever you want to me, you can say whatever you want to me, my reputation can be tarnished by the entire world, and yet God will be the one that fills me. God will be my affirmation, God will be my approval. And it doesn't mean that you don't have relationships. It doesn't mean you get weird and you're like, it's just me and God. Don't do that, Lord. Don't do that. It's not what God intends. It's not his best for you. And I remember when I was coming out of my, you know, all my, all my dysfunction, I remember um, coming to church, and it was this wrestling moment. I had gotten from slave to, I had gotten into the wilderness, and I was like learning to, to, to kind of trust God with, with my value and all these things, but at the same time, I was still very much getting that from, from other people. And I remember I was in a relationship that was just not healthy. The person didn't want to come to church. They came to church actually drunk and high both times I had brought them. Not a great start. And, um, and I just felt, you know, I was like, all right, God, if you want me to break up with them, like, I need a clear sign, right? I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna do this Peter thing. God, if you want me to step out, I need you to confirm your word. I show up to men's prayer the next day. I get in the middle of the circle. I don't tell a soul what's going on. And nobody knows me at this point. I'm like, I, I'm, th you know, maybe a month or two in. I know, you know, I'm in a connect group, but not the people in the, in the prayer meeting. And so I get in the prayer group, and uh, there's this guy who had just come to church two weeks ago. He was a pastor somewhere else, phenomenal. And uh, he gets in the, you know, we're in the circle and I get in and I don't say a word. I literally don't say anything. I just say, guys, you can just pray over me. And he literally says, I see a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing. It's either a relationship or a business partnership. If you don't stop it now, it's gonna take out the rest of your life. I said, all right, God, that was pretty clear. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna break it off. So I went home I, and, and, you know, God lined it up where it was not that difficult for me to break it off and all these things, but I'd become so used to being needed by people and being in relationships that I didn't know how to be by myself. And I remember crying like for multiple hours that night on the floor. Like I, this was like, I was like, whoa, I'm a put together person. Well, at that point I was not very put together. So this would be more predictable back then, but it was just abnormal to me. But I felt God saying, I'm breaking off this need for people in your life. I'm breaking it off once and for all because you trusted me. You gave me something to trust you with, right? And so we've got to move from slave to wilderness to actually trusting God with being the one who gives our value. And the last point is in purpose. Purpose. I actually need that note. Thank you. Did that one too early. I would say, honestly, this is probably the most impactful area 
for my life. Because if we don't have meaning, if we don't have purpose, we really don't have much. And it actually fueled the other things to happen in my life when I got the purpose of God in my life. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Meaning with your birth came a purpose. With your birth came a destiny. You don't just get it someday. It was, it was literally partnered with you as you were being formed. Matthew 16, 25 says, for the whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Acts 13, 36, for David, this is talking about King David, after he had served, and some would say, and it's interesting that served is the other uh, kind of switch out word for this. Another translation is when he fulfilled his purpose, when he served, when he served, fulfilled his purpose, his own generation by the will of God fell asleep, means he died, um, was buried with his fathers. Meaning David only died once his purpose was fulfilled. Which means if you're still here, which means if you still have breath in your lungs, which means if you're online at home, which means if you are listening to this message, you still have purpose left to be fulfilled. You may not feel it, you may not know it, but I'm gonna tell you the solution is in this next scripture, Psalm 37, four. Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Because I think Christians, we can get sometimes confused about, is this a God dream? Is this a God dream? Is that a God dream? Is this just my own thinking? Well, the Bible says, if you delight yourself in God, he will give you the desires of your heart. So when someone asks me that, if I'm sitting with somebody and they're like, I don't know if this is a God dream. I don't know if this is God. I say, well, how, how, how good's your devotional life? Like, are you close with God? Because the Bible says, if you delight yourself in God, which means if you have a devotional life, and that means he's gonna start planting things in you. And whatever starts to spring out of that is God. Now, I would challenge us to say that if you don't have a devotional life and you're chasing after things that you think are God's purpose for your life, it's impossible. It is impossible to fulfill God's purpose for you without being connected to God. It is impossible. You can partner with as many nonprofits as you want. You can, you know, do as many things for homeless people as you want. You can, and these, these are all good things. You can volunteer, so you, you can do all kinds of good things. And then when you get to God, when we all have to give an account, say, what'd you do with your life? There's two ways this goes down. Stuff gets burned up, the Bible says, or it passes through. Meaning the things that God gave me to do, did I do them in my life? I know, it's a little heavy, I get it. But I don't wanna get to heaven and face that moment and look at the things I put my hand to and just see it burn up. I don't know. This time feels pretty long, but it's pretty short. And eternity seems pretty long. It's probably longer than I think. And I don't wanna get there and just have put my hand to things that will burn. I wanna get to heaven and realize that as soon as I realized and had the revelation that God had a purpose for me, God had a plan for me to build his kingdom, to participate. It doesn't mean you, we all have to be doing this, right? This is a specific thing. It's equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. I'm not even doing ministry. Y'all are doing ministry. You think I'm in the ministry? Y'all are more in the ministry. The saints for the work of the ministry. Anything partnered with God, 
you start to realize, okay, I'm not gonna compartmentalize my life because the slave, slave to the world, slave to the devil is like, you're obviously, you're rebelling from God. You're doing things opposite of his will. That was me. Then you get into the wilderness where you're like, cool, I'm gonna fear, uh, okay, I should probably serve on a Sunday. I should probably do this. I should probably do that. And it's out of this like reputation, it's out of this, this, this healthy sense of I fear God and I wanna do what's right. But then you move to the promised land where it's like, God, the Bible says that when I became dead to my sin, I died, which means I'm new and my life is new in your hands, which means all of my life is yours. It means I'm not compartmentalizing my life in my faith. It means my faith is my life. My life is my faith. The kingdom is my life. My life is the kingdom. Everything I have is yours. My business, my finances, my relationships, my friendships, everything I have is yours. I remember when just getting saved and just kind of figuring this out, I was probably still in the wilderness. I was like, I was serving a lot because I, I was, I had, you know, I had like, I burned all the friendships I had because it's a long story, just all kinds of dysfunction. I was like, all right, I need some new life here, you know? And so I started to do the right things, but I hadn't, I don't know if I was like fully there yet. And then I felt God say, I need to give you a new picture. I need to give you a new vision to pursue because the vision you were pursuing was all about what the world told you to do. Go and achieve this, go and accomplish this, go and make this much money, go and get these houses, go and buy these cars, go and post this on Instagram, go and do all this stuff and then you'll feel fulfilled. Yet, I had a lot of money. Well, 100,000 for a 20-year-old is a lot of money. And I tried to do all that stuff and none of it fulfilled me. Why? Because it wasn't connected to God's purpose for my life. So of course, why would he design us to feel fulfilled doing things that aren't his will? And so I remember I went home that night. I left some, you know, one of the many things we do at church, some event, and I got home and I begin to feel God literally tell me what to write out for my life, who he was calling me to be in this new life because I didn't have a clear picture of who I was supposed to be as a kingdom person partnered with him. And so I began to write it out and it was a vision, you know, basically centered around this scripture, Romans 1.1 and Matthew 6.33, but this one I would say was kind of a healthy starting point. It says, Paul, this is Paul speaking, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. You see, Paul transitioned from Saul into Paul. He gave everything to Jesus. So he said, I'm actually a bondservant to Jesus. That's how I picture myself. That's how I see myself. And God says, I want you to, I want you to start to see your life as you're a bondservant to me. And that doesn't mean that you're like, life's gonna suck or like what we typically think when we hear bondservant. Because how many know that even the worst player on a winning team still gets a trophy? Right? He's chained to that team, but he's a winner. God wanted me to understand that if I would just tie myself to him, because he reached out his hand and saved me, but I didn't have to respond in my whole life. I mean, that's what we're called to do. And that's exactly what I decided to do at that moment. So I began to dream of what my life could look like if I really gave God everything. If I gave God my finances, what could he do with my business? I'm living in that now. If I gave God my relationships, what could he do with a future spouse? I'm living in that now with my wife. What could God do with my friendships if I gave him that? What could God do with my impact in ministry? He, I'm doing that. All these things that I charted to trust God with and said, God, all right, I'm gonna give you this, I'm gonna give you this, I'm gonna give you this, I'm gonna give you this. Wow, my whole life looks like it's filled with God. And guess what? God started to fill it. 
And it doesn't mean it's filled with religious things, it means it's filled with life. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I was done pursuing the things the devil had for me, killing, stealing, destroying. I was ready to start living life and life to the fullest. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the full. I came to give you life and life to the full. I came to give you life and life to the full. And so it, it, it you know, infiltrated every part of my life, inviting friends to church. I remember one of the first times, you know, inviting people to church. It was just like, well, you know, if they don't want to come to church, then they're already going to think weird of me, so I might as well invite them. And we had about 40, 50 people from this business conference I was attending come and give their lives to Jesus at Bressy Ranch on a Saturday night, back when we did Saturday night service. I invited one of my friends who lived in Miami. I basically told him to fly out. Um, we had a conference in Phoenix. I met him in Phoenix. And then I was like, hey, we got to drive back to church tonight. He's like, dude, that's like, that's like eight hours from here. I was like, yeah, I know, but it's worth it. And then you're going to get saved. He's like, what does that mean? I'm like, you're going to raise your hand at the end. And then you're gonna say the prayer and then you're gonna go in the room and they're gonna give you a book and then we're gonna be, you're gonna be saved. And so I literally, because I didn't think there were other churches like this anywhere else. Well, I don't know if there is, but I had him come. We sat in the back. I said, now, raise your hand now. Because he was like all about it. He basically was already, already working it out by that point. We went down and then we got in the response lounge and the guy's like, cool, man. How can I pray for you? Pray for him. I was like, yeah, this is amazing. And then uh, uh, he's like, cool, where are you from? Like, where do you live in San Diego? He's like, oh, I live in Miami. He's like, you live in Miami. What are you doing here? Well, he's like, he told me I had to come. <laughs> you see, because I didn't want to risk it. I started looking at life through the lens of like, if I don't tell this person, if I don't do something about this, if I don't give my life to this, what could happen? What if, yeah, could somebody else do it? Sure. God doesn't need me, but I think he wants me. And sure, I'm not gonna live with this religious thing of like, I need to do all this stuff, but what if I could do this stuff and what if that could lead to something? That guy today, I just got uh, a notification of, a few weeks ago, he, um, he had a business conference out there and he's been faithfully attending this church we got unplugged into for the last seven years. He's been serving, he's been giving, he's been doing all these things and he's brought, honestly, I think like probably 100 plus people there through his business. And then this last few weeks ago, they brought, uh, 300 people to church in one Sunday. 300 people to church in one Sunday. Now, I didn't know that was gonna happen, but I knew if I just gave my life to Jesus and every part of my life to him, stuff would start to happen and get really radical. And so with this said, I wanna close by praying for, for some people. So if you could close your eyes and bow your heads. Maybe you're here today and you're the first type of people I wanna pray for. You don't know God. You were like me eight years ago. You walked in, have no idea who Jesus is, or maybe you do have an idea, but you've never actually made a commitment to make him Savior and Lord of your life. You would say you're not in a relationship with him. Or maybe you're the second type of person. You once were in a relationship, but you walked away, fell away, ran away, whatever the case is, and you know you need to get back in relationship with him today. Friend, I wanna pray for both of you today because you shouldn't have to wait to make this decision, this decision should happen now. Maybe you didn't think you were gonna make this decision today, but God knew, and he's here right now and wants to, wants to encounter you again. So on the count of three, if you're one of those two groups of people and you know you need to give your life to Jesus because you know if you were to meet him right now, you would not know if you were in relationship with him. I want you to raise your hand. One, friend, God loves you. Two, I promise you'll never be the same. Three, if you could lift your hands. 
just so I could see him pray for you. Beautiful. I see your hand. Beautiful. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful. I see that hand. Beautiful. I see that hand in the back. Thank you, Jesus. Is there just one more? Beautiful. I see that hand. Thank you, God. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, we're, you can open your eyes. There are quite a few people who, who responded, and I want to invite you to, to, to say this prayer because this prayer is the thing that will start your journey with God. And we've all said it before, so we're all gonna say it again. But I want those of you that raise your hands, I want you to say it with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. So let's say this, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for going to the grave and resurrecting so that I could have new life in you. I repent of my old life and of my sin, and I turn and fix my eyes on you. I declare you are my Savior and you are my Lord. And the rest of my life will be the best of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, can we celebrate those people that made that decision? We've got some team here. They want to give you a Bible and a following Jesus book. They'll connect with you, be able to pray with you. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for us as we, as we head out. I want you to close your eyes real quick. And I felt to do this specifically because I want to make sure nobody leaves here without a next step because it's time to cross over. For some of us, crossing over is pretty easy. You got to move from slave into fearing God in your finances. That's really simple. I think you all know exactly what to do there. So I'm not going to tell you what to do. The second thing is in relationships. Maybe you need to cross over from, from fearing God into making him the Lord where he's the only one that fills you. Ask him to do that. Say, God, I don't want to be relying upon other people anymore. I want to be relying upon you and what you say about me. Take that time today, get with him and do that. But I feel the thing that changes all of that is the, the purpose. If you feel like you're actually living on purpose with God, because actually all of that then takes care of everything else. So everyone close your eyes real quick. I want to do this with everybody's eyes closed. If you're in this room, and you are not experiencing life the way that Jesus said he was planning on doing it, which is life to the full, meaning you're not living a fulfilled life. You don't feel like you're living the purpose that God has for you, and you can feel it in your bones. I want you to raise your hand. Because what a, what a sad thing it would be to live your whole life that way, being in the house of God, knowing God, yet not living the thing that you know that he wants you to live. And then keep your hands up. I want to do a specific thing. If you have your hands raised and you don't feel like you have a clear vision for your life, a clear dream to pursue that God's given you, I want you to put your hand up. Okay, good. Some people that do, some people that don't. Okay, raise your hand again, everybody. I just want to make sure for those of you that don't know what God wants you to do, I want you to go home tonight and don't go to bed until you hear from God about what he wants you to do. Now, let's say you don't even know God and you're like, wow, that seems like a big first step. Then start to get to know God. Start to read his words, start to attend connect group, keep coming back here, go to prayer meetings. But if you have an active relationship with God, you're hearing from him, you know him, and then it's time to start asking God to show him who he wants you to become. Start to start, it's time to start asking God to show you the desires of your heart so you can start pursuing them. But for everybody else, sometimes it's just some courage, sometimes it's some strength, but I'm believing God will begin to activate the dream of God in your life because nothing 
kills hope. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. We don't want that at Awaken Church. We want your heart healthy and happy and whole. So Father, I thank you for every person with their hand lifted. I come against discouragement right now. I bind and I break discouragement now in Jesus' name. Any hearts that feel sick, I break that now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you are the God who heals. You're the God who restores. You're the God that redeems. You're the God that sees and in seeing you provide. So Father, I thank you that you are restoring and you are building hope by allowing dreams to begin to become activated. Those who delight in you will be given the desires of their hearts. So Father, I thank you for divine moments of activation, divine moments of activation of the dreams and the plans that you have for them. And some of you are gonna begin to hear God say something even right now or when you go home, I need you to do this, take this step, do this thing. Sometimes you feel like, wow, was that me? Maybe it was, maybe it was God. Take the step anyway, do it in faith and watch what he does. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.